You're listening to the Heart-Centered Service Podcast. A podcast to help freelancers create the lifestyle of their dreams while doing work that brings them purpose. I'm your host, Francesca Mamlin. And I'm your other host, Krista Aoki. Each week, we'll release new episodes with tips and personal stories for online service-based entrepreneurs. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode 31 of Heart Centered Service. In today's episode, we're interviewing mindset coach Melanie St. Clair about perfectionism and the inner critic. At Heart Centered Service, we believe the importance of acting from a place of priority as opposed to what society expects your priority to be is um, super important. And we totally vibe with Melanie, who believes our greatest gift and responsibility is to heal ourselves. Her mission is to help you heal so that your inner child doesn't run your business and your most powerful CEO self does. She's helped her clients hit their biggest income months without letting people-pleasing, perfectionism, and an overly complicated relationship with money stop them. And when she's not helping her rockstar clients, you can find her traveling the world or to the grocery store with her husband, Jeremiah, sipping matcha lattes or hopelessly trying to get her cats to take selfies with her. And I'm sure we all know those cat selfie problems. So we are so excited to talk with Melanie all about how perfectionism is the high achievers form of procrastination, a sign of codependency, and what you really need to heal to solve the root problem and not just manage the symptoms. So welcome to the show, Melanie. Why don't you tell us how you stepped into your role as a mindset coach, helping women heal their inner selves? Yeah, absolutely, Krista. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really, really excited to be here. Um, I got started as a mindset coach. It really was a natural progression, a lot based on the way that I would support like friends and family. I was always like always the listener, always receiving, um, holding space for them, as well as providing advice. And when I started getting involved in the online sphere, I actually started as a blogger, uh, really blogging about confidence and self-care for women. It was a natural progression for me as I started building relationships to start coaching women and bringing those practices into the way that they run their businesses. Cool. Um, so a lot of people brag about being perfectionists, like it's a badge of honor thing. Like people say that in interviews as, as a strength. Um, so how is it that perfectionism is actually, can, how can it actually be hurtful to your work instead of helping it? Yeah, for sure. That's such a good question. I like to call perfectionism the like high achievers form of procrastination and really the way that perfectionism hurts your work is because it's really hurting yourself. Ultimately, perfectionism comes down to putting your personal value and your own inner worth in an external thing, whether that be, you know, the new sales page that you're writing or this new the proposal that you're putting together. Um, and you're looking at your own personal worth and your own internal value as a, like this outside thing is a reflection of that. And so what happens is that you start to really twist up <laughs> how the fact that your worth truly is your natural birthright. It's something that's here and inside of all of us, regardless of what things are happening on the outside. But when we start to confuse that with everything else that's happening on the outside, we really get caught up in this perfectionist trap where we don't let ourselves put out our work. We don't let ourselves hit send on the proposal. We don't let ourselves do all of these things and really truly share our work with the world because we're afraid that if we put it out there, the work will be rejected and thus we personally perceive that as a personal rejection. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that's so that's so powerful, and I bet a lot of people can resonate with that. I'm like 
almost in tears because I know so many people who get tied to the, um, I'm, I'm a designer and so I work with a lot of creatives and they are, it's, it's a lot of work to separate yourself from what you're producing. And like you're saying, like show it to the world and put it out there because you're worthy regardless of, regardless of how perfect something that you're working on is. So it's, yeah. Wow. Um, so what is, what do you, what would you say is the difference between being a perfectionist and valuing the quality of your work? I love this question because I think it's so important to bring up and consider the fact that it's like, it's good to be proud of the work that you're putting out there into the world. And especially, you know, as a creative types, you know, you really want to be putting your best stuff out there. You want to be putting out your heart centered work. And sometimes that does come down to like being detail oriented and really wanting to bring a high quality and high standard. And so really it comes down to intention for me. If you are getting really bogged down in the details because you keep telling yourself it's never going to be good enough, which the subtext there is, I'm never going to be good enough. Or what if they reject me? What if nobody likes this? What if nobody buys? Then that's really coming from a perfectionist place versus if it's putting love and intention and desire into your work, it does it come from a place of love or does it come from a place of fear? And that's when you're really going to know whether you're kind of like, as you kind of straddle the lines of, am I in a perfectionist space that's holding me back or am I in a high quality and really good love for your art and for your workspace that is going to propel you forward? Mm. I love how you differentiate, like, is it coming from a place of love or um, what was the other thing you said? Was it fear? <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. place of fear. Yeah, um, I think that's really important. Um, and I think that's something that people can really easily kind of access in their in their beings and in their bodies. Like, what is the feeling um, that's behind like me wanting to go back and, and take care of these extra details? Like, am I doing it because I'm really valuing the quality of my work? Or am I doing it because I'm like trying to like stall putting my work out there because I'm afraid for some reason? So with um, perfectionism and codependency, can you um, explain how perfectionism can kind of be a sign of codependency? Yeah, for sure. So like a brief like definition of codependency is really putting your, uh, it's a heavy reliance on something that's external. Oftentimes that can be a, a different person, like a partner or a best friend. And a lot of the times as business owners, freelancers, this shows up in our work. Uh, our businesses as a whole, our relationship with money, the things that we are producing. And so what happens is that, like I said before, is like we're putting our personal worth and worthiness inside of the work that we produce. And so it's like we're, we need the acceptance of other people, the acceptance of our clients, the approval of people on social media to prove that we're good enough to ourselves because we don't believe that we're worthy inherently within. So a lot of the wounding with this, um, my understanding is that it can come from um, like inner child wounding. So um, can you explain a little bit about what inner child work is um, and how um, perfectionist and codependency traits in your business can actually be connected to the inner child? Yeah, definitely. Because inner child work is my jam. <laughs> Basically, when you were a kid and you were growing up, the way that your family dynamics worked, as well as relationships with other people in the outside world, gave you your own blueprint and like owner's manual for how to operate in the world. The way that you were raised taught you how it was safe to be loved, how it was safe, like whether or not it was safe for you to be your fullest self in the world, how it was safe, like how, what safety even meant 
um, safety, security, as well as just really like how do you interact with other people? What is safe? What's not safe? When do you receive attention? When do you not receive attention? When are you rejected? How do you process those feelings of rejection? You learn all of that as a kid. And so what happens is that we grow up to become adults and we are here and we are creating business, like we're in businesses and like creating amazing gifts to share with the world, but our inner child is still really wounded because our inner child at some point in life learned that it wasn't safe for you to be your fullest self. A lot of the times this happens is because, you know, we're raised by parents who were doing the best that they could, but they are also wounded children who grew up and are, if we didn't have some of the most conscious and aware parents who were doing their own inner child and healing work, a lot of the times they end up accidentally projecting their own pain and their own beliefs. Like it's safer for you to stay small. It's safer for you to not ask for what you need. It's safer for you to not have boundaries because you'll upset people if you set them. Those are the things that are passed on to us. And now it's our job in this inner child healing to start to reparent ourselves and reteach ourselves how we want to show up in the world according to the way that we want to now versus just based on what was passed down to us. So in terms of business, a lot of times this shows up in your relationship with money, in terms of people pleasing and perfectionism and workaholism. Actually, like the, the four big pillars that you can see of codependency in business are people pleasing, perfectionism, workaholism, and hero syndrome, where you feel like you have to do it all by yourself because these all come stem from the belief that you need something in the outside to make you feel safe to make you feel worthy or to make you feel powerful. So the more that we do this inner child work, the less that these types of symptoms um, and inner child work and healing for these codependent things for you to remember how worthy you are, for you to learn how to feel safe within yourself, for you to learn how to call back in your power, the more that you are able to source all of those feelings from within, the less that you rely on money to make you feel safe, your work to make you feel worthy, or the acceptance from other people on social media to make you feel powerful. Wow, okay. Um... Can you go a little deeper into the four pillars of codependency and like um, what are some of the symptoms of that? Um, like how can we identify that in our own businesses? Yeah, for sure. So like these four pillars are really kind of like the, the big symptoms that you see, especially, especially in business. And it doesn't just apply to business, but especially like it really comes up as a business owner because running your business, being a freelancer, like it's the ultimate personal development project because it's you, it's you putting your expression out in the world and learning to receive money as well as receive other like positive energy from that. And it's really scary and exciting and intoxicating, exhilarating thing to do. And so a lot of times what happens is that we get into people pleasing tendencies because we learned that it wasn't safe for us to set boundaries. It wasn't safe for us to ask for what we need. And so that might show up in terms of like always going out of scope on client projects, having timelines go really, really far, uh, breaking down payments into like the tiniest little bits, even though it doesn't feel like you're really receiving abundantly. Um, and really like trying to manage the other person's experience through the actions that you do because you learned that it was your job to make other people feel good, safe, comfortable, and all of the things because if you didn't take responsibility for that, often this happens when you're raised in families where you have like really emotionally volatile or unavailable people. And so you take it on as your job to make them feel a certain way when at the end of the day, we're all personally responsible for how we feel. Briefly to like uh, go over them like the other three. Yeah, so like there's perfectionism like we talked about um, and then workaholism. So like never feeling like you're allowed to rest. A lot of times for my clients, this shows up as they feel like they need to make a certain amount of money in order to quote unquote deserve resting and like be able to take a break um, because we learned, right, that you need to work hard to make money and we have all of these beliefs around what we need to to do in order to make money and a lot of times that shows up and I can never leave my business because if my if I leave my business then I'm afraid my business will leave me 
So you never allow yourself to unplug, whether that be like digitally, physically, mentally, or emotionally. Um, and then the last one is Chiro syndrome, where you feel like you have to do it all by yourself. You can't trust anybody to do anything because a lot of times what happens, like when you're a kid, if you were in a dysfunctional family, which pretty much most of us were in very, you know, had some level of dysfunction, you did learn that it wasn't safe for you to rely on other people. And a lot of times that might show up emotionally or physically, um, because if you really put that dependence in a caregiver who didn't have the capacity to take care of you in that way, uh, you were let down. And so we swing sometimes from codependence all the way over into interdependence, where it's like, I need absolutely nobody, um, which really makes things, life a lot more difficult because life is all about relationships and like allowing yourself to be supported and allowing yourself to receive. And that also shows up a lot in your money relationship. It's crazy how these things, um, like these patterns from our childhood can just can continue to manifest in our business. And like so many people don't even know about inner child work and inner child healing. And until I started to dig into the personal development world, it never really occurred to me that patterns from my childhood could possibly be affecting my business. So this kind of work is so, so important. Yes, it is. Yep. Because these are the patterns that keep you from showing up in the world. Because ultimately, the fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of rejection, it all comes down to you being afraid to be yourself. You're afraid that it's not safe to be yourself in the world because you're afraid that if you are, you will fail, you will be successful, you'll be rejected, you won't be enough. And it's so important for you to be who you are. It's so important for you to express the things that you need to express through your art, through your creativity, through your work and the way that you support people, because that's what you're here to do. You're here to use all of your natural and divinely given gifts to make the world a better place and like improve and shift the consciousness of the planet. Like if we're talking really, really big picture. And if you're not doing that and you're letting all of these codependent patterns and like inner child wounds hold you back and not let yourself be expressed, then you're not actually like being able to like live a fully flourished life and do the work that you're meant to do in the world. Yes, totally. And so what if, what would you say to someone who's listening to you and they're like, yes, like I really want to embody this. I am a perfectionist. I'm a people pleaser. I don't know when to rest and how to give myself space to rest. What would you say to someone? Um, how would you recommend they start or um, start healing those roots? Yeah, definitely. Oh, how to start? It's such a great question. <laughs> um, I first like want to let you know that if you like, if you're listening to this and it's really resonating with you, number one, don't instantly start beating yourself up because that's also like an old pattern, like a thought, like pattern and like a pattern of behavior that's showing up and telling you that you need to be really, really hard on yourself. You need to be hypercritical. And if you are like exhibiting some of these patterns and behaviors, like in your business, it's because like, that's the way that you were wired. And now you're coming to the awareness to be conscious enough to start changing that and shifting that. So you're not stuck, you're not trapped and it's okay. So first like accepting where you're at, it's like so powerful and so important. And then from there to start to get really, really curious about these behaviors, see the ways that they're showing up in your business, possibly even like start journaling or keeping a log of like, what are the ways that like I was really people pleasing today, the ways that I was like really getting perfectionistic about things, the ways that I like was like, wasn't allowing myself to take a step back, really get curious about the thoughts that are going through your head. Like if your brain is telling you, you know, oh, you can't like unplug from work because you didn't make a sale today or like there's not enough money in the bank. So all of a sudden you've got to keep going. you got to keep going. Really get curious about those thought patterns and also like 
like where you learned that. Because as a child, you really learn things, not even just from what people directly taught you, but from the behaviors that were modeled. So what type of dynamics were happening in your family that might've contributed to you believing like, this is the way that the world works. And this is the way that I need to operate in the world because this is just how things are. And then from there, like receiving help getting support, whether that be finding community, getting to know and connect with like like-minded people who are doing similar work, following really helpful and supportive accounts on social media, email lists, um, or if you want to like, if you feel ready to be in an emotionally intimate relationship that will support you with this work, to work with a coach. Mm, definitely. I love how you say um, to get curious about it um, because I find that curiosity is such an anecdote to um, what, like whether it's fear or anxiety or like anything that any kind of emotion that that's that keeps you stuck. Um, I find that curiosity is such a great anecdote to that because it's just like peeking past the curtain um, and you're not getting angry with yourself. You're getting curious like, oh, I'm I'm telling myself this story. That's odd. I wonder where that came from or oh, like <laughs> um, this keeps happening in my business. Um, and I think it's a really great way to even like, like you can do it with your own mental well-being. You can also do it with things that just go wrong in your business. Like, oh, this sale kind of didn't go right. So I wonder what happened. Um, so that's a, it's a good thing to do all around, I think. Yes, for sure. It helps you release that judgment and instead like open the door to be solution oriented and to receive solutions and receive insight. Whereas a lot of times we might tell ourselves, well, I don't know. I can't do that. It's just not working. But that doesn't invite in like any sense of curiosity. So you can like understand what's going on beneath it with, because otherwise you get into the habit, right? Of like judging yourself and being really, really harsh on yourself. Um, but instead, if you're curious, you're able to have that detachment so that you can allow solutions through. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And this is a good segue into talking a bit about the inner critic. And I mean, everyone has an inner critic. Like we all have a little voice in our head that tells us what about what all of our doubts and insecurities very, you know, sometimes it never really shuts up. Um, so um, is it possible to like turn off your inner critic or is this something that we just kind of have to live with? Like the little voice in our head that's telling us like, oh, you can't do this. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's such a, like, a good question because I see a lot of things like from other people, maybe on like social media who are saying, you know, like silence your inner critic and like banish like that voice of like judgments and things like that. And really like, I believe that the inner critic ultimately is like, is your ego. So your ego is the little voice in your head that's narrating all of life. So for example, if you walk outside and it's cold outside and all of a sudden you think it's cold, that's your ego talking because your body already received the information that it's cold, but so it didn't need any additional processing for you to realize that. But this inner voice said it so that it could judge it. So it could feel like it had control over it. And what happens is like the ego is actually really useful and it's really helpful because it keeps us from like walking across the streets when there are cars around and like evaluating whether like the two week old like moldy piece of fruit is like probably good or not, like safe or not to eat. Um, but what happens is that the ego has taken on a job that's a little bit too big for what it's meant for. And what it tries to do is it tries to keep us safe and it tries to keep us comfortable. So a lot of times that inner critic, it's in, it's an inner voice that is in, it's just, whew, if you had a hypercritical parent, 
First of all, a lot of the times you've internalized that voice or a hypercritical adult figure in your life. You internalize that voice as your inner critic, partially because that's the behavior that's been modeled to you of that's how criticism works if you weren't exposed to what healthy and constructive criticism looked like, but also sometimes too as a defense mechanism because if your inner critic did the job of that external figure, then maybe they would judge you less if you were able to preemptively judge yourself and fix all the things that were wrong, using air quotes, um, and then instead like they wouldn't be as harsh on you. So you wouldn't have to face those feelings of rejection and uh, unworthiness and feeling uncomfortable and hurt. So really, it's not less about silencing the inner critic, but and it's more about softening the ego, allowing the ego to serve you in the areas that is helpful in terms of like making judgments and evaluating things, but not letting it be the one who's running the show um, and not, and not re blindly reacting to what it has to say when you feel particularly triggered. Mm. Yeah. Um, why do we have an inner critic? Like, that's something that I've always been, that I'm kind of curious about. Like, where does that, I mean, you kind of talked about where it comes from. Why is it always negative? You know, like, why isn't our default to, to be, you have a voice saying positive things about us, you know? Right. Yeah. So the ego's primary job is survival. So it's to keep us safe. And safety is always, air quotes, guaranteed within the known. So anything outside of the known, your inner critic will do everything that it possibly can to make sure that you stay in your comfort zone because anything outside of your comfort zone, like anything can happen, right? Which if you are in an abundance mindset, like anything can happen is a beautiful, amazing, and like really, really positive, expansive thing. But for the inner critic who's in a scarcity mindset and who really is really there to like keep you safe, of course, it's like, it's going to start saying these really, really negative things to keep you small because smallness is safe. Mm. So um, what are the steps that we can take to let the inner critic know that, because, you know, if it's the ego and the ego is keeping us safe, like we have these animalistic brains, but um, we don't really live in a world where like survival is a constant thing that we have to think about. Like there's not lions chasing us. And um, so what, what can we do to actually help the inner critic know that we're okay um, and that they don't have to <laughs> be telling us all of these stories all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I always like recommend naming your inner critic. So whether there's like different parts of you that you're exploring and getting to know, like naming your inner child, even if it's just inner child me or naming your inner critic, whether it's inner critic or there's a particular like name that comes to mind, if you name it, then it also all of a sudden becomes a thing that's outside of yourself. So instead of oh my gosh, I'm thinking all of these like really, really negative stories and they're triggering the heck out of me and I really feel like I need to act and like do all this crazy stuff in my business and overhaul everything because I'm so panicked and like feeling insecure and doubtful right now. Instead, you can listen to what, for some reason the name is Janet, is coming to my head. Um, you can listen to what Janet has to say about the situation and say, wow, like that's really interesting of you to like express all of these things for me. And you can receive from her what you want to, and you can also choose to not listen to what she has to say. So it's again, getting really, really curious about what the narrative is, but not necessarily choosing to act from it. I think that, I think that an important part of this too, and you, you mentioned it earlier is to, to not be so hard on yourself. Like when you, when you get frustrated about, um, what Janet is saying um, to not like not um, react like really strongly and negatively and emotionally, but to really step back and um, and yeah, like figure out figure out what what's going on, what the narrative is. 
um, yeah, so that's really cool. Um, do you have any like practices that you use to sort of like um, filter out the um, voice in your head every day and kind of like um, put positive thoughts into your head? Like, do you have journaling practices that you do or um, what kind of stuff do you have there? Yeah, definitely. So I always, always, always will recommend journaling. Like whether you have journaling prompts or it's stream of conscious journaling, journaling really, really helps you to get a dialogue going between you and yourself so that it's not always just stuff that's running and like jumbling around in your mind and you're able to really process and like let some of those thoughts out. So specifically with the inner critic, sometimes I think that it's really, really helpful to just give them a space to say whatever it is that they need to say, but without you feeling like you need to react to it. So ask your inner critic, like, what do you have to say about what's going on right now? Or whether it's like, it might be a specific thing that's happening, um, like in the business, or it could just be like overall as a whole, or like the season of life that we're in, they will have a lot to say about it. <laughs> and so give that inner critic like 15 minutes, to just write out like whatever it is that you need to. And then being able to look at that and say, wow, like, Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for trying to protect me. Thank you for trying to keep us safe. Like I hear you and like I get where this is coming from. And I, I'm asking you to trust me that I know how to run the show, that I am the CEO of my own like internal family systems or like all the little me's who are running around in here. And that I'm going to act from the most powerful and like trusting space instead of blindly reacting to everything that you have to say because you're the one who's running around like the building is on fire, but the building's not on fire. We're fine. Like I've got this. Um, a friend of mine once said that like everything that we do is either an expression of love or it's an ask for love, even if it's not done in the most loving way. And that's really like your inner critic is asking to be reassured that everything is going to be fine. So it's a great time to remind your inner child that you're safe, that you're worthy, that it's okay for you to trust, that it's okay for you to receive everything that you want. And like affirmations that I always love to use, it's safe for me to insert thing that you are afraid of here. It's safe for me to receive larger sums of money than I'm used to. It's safe for me to send off work without feeling like it's 100% always like perfect. It's safe for me to show up in the world in the way that I want to, even if that upsets people. Reminding yourself over and over again that it's safe for you to do all of these things really will help soothe the inner critic and also just soothe yourself so that you're able to act from a higher vibrational and emotional space. Mm, I love those affirmations. Like I might have to steal a few of those. Um, it sounds yeah, like the ego okay. is like very externally focused and, um, and like a lot of it is about just like tuning back in to the truth. Cause a lot of the stories that the ego tells is like, they're just like projections of like something that you like, like what you said, like you walk outside and your mind tells you that it's cold, you know, that's your ego processing information. Um, so yeah, I love those affirmations though. Yeah. So good. Oh yeah. Safety is like one of those core pillars of like what we need to like create and source from within ourselves. It comes down to safety, worthiness and power. And like, once we're able to do those all for ourselves, like we're able to really show up in the world in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a really good thing too, to, um, like slow, even slowly build safe safety. Um, we've talked on this podcast before when we interviewed, um, during an interview with Vernon Maxwell about how like, okay, so you don't have to, you don't have to like flaunt your entire portfolio, um, out to the world, but like, just, just show a little bit and, um, and see what happens. Or like, um, if you're working on a piece of art, show your best friend and and like practice these ways so you can like build that safety and be like oh this is this is safe like 
and like the world didn't end and um to like slowly build this like safe space for yourself in different ways yes exactly when you notice yourself being really 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 afraid of a particular outcome start practicing building evidence to the contrary so if you're like oh, oh the fear says if i show my work to the world that i'm going to be rejected and alone practice showing your work in safe containers where you know that it will be received so you can prove to yourself oh i showed this to my best friend and it was well received i showed this to myself it was well received i showed this to this small group of people it was well received so this isn't true this fear isn't necessarily yes. true and you're able to use that evidence to show yourself oh like it is actually safe for me to put my work out into the world absolutely i love that too yeah build evidence of the contrary like that you're contrary to the narrative that you're telling yourself that's so amazing i think that's a really good segue to start um winding down the episode so melanie thank you so much for coming on today really loved i love this conversation um and how can people find you online and on social media yeah thank you so much for having me here this was just absolutely great um love having these conversations like bringing more of this work into the world um yeah people can most easily find me on instagram uh, that is kind of like my platform of choice and where i share a lot more about inner child stuff um and really like healing yourself and my handle for that is do they need my handle <laughs> okay <laughs> My handle for that is themoderndaymystic.co, which also happens to be my website. Cool. Yeah, definitely follow her on Instagram. I, I, I must spend a lot of time on Instagram because I'm always saying that, but but I actually really mean it with you because um, the stuff that you post on Instagram about inner child work um, is really, really like, um, I, when I read it, it like blows my mind and changes my perspective. Like you post amazing content. Thank you so much. It's so good to hear that. And that's a really good reminder for everybody else too, that it's like, there are people out there who are really, really enjoying your work, who are really, really loving what you're sharing. And sometimes you don't always necessarily externally hear that from them. Um, but it's only been re very recently that I've actually like received some like wonderful reflections from people who have been really enjoying the stuff that I've been putting out. Um, but there are people out there who are like really appreciating and really moved by the stuff that you're putting out there in the world, even if they aren't directly telling you that. So keep going. Yeah, I was a lurker for like a year and then I randomly reached out about this podcast episode. So there's there's evidence right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, well, thank you again so much. Um, this has been such an awesome conversation. And um, yeah, appreciate you taking the time. And those of you listening, we hope you enjoyed this episode too. Um, let us know what you think um, at, parts, at our Instagram uh, and um, leave us a rating or review on iTunes if you get a chance because that really helps us um, be found by other heart-centered entrepreneurs and freelancers just like you. And yeah, we'll be in your feeds next week with a new episode. Until then, go be awesome. Aloha.